turn to the book of Luke, we'll be in Luke chapter number four, uh, Luke chapter number four, and we look forward to what the Lord has for us uh, this morning, and I love uh, getting into the Word of God myself and learning some things about the Word of God and uh, sharing each and every week uh, some truths that God has given me, and today we're going to come to Luke chapter number four. And if you look at, look at Luke chapter number 4, you'll see there's 44 verses. And my text this morning is about 30 of them. And so uh, I don't want to let that alarm you, but you should be alarmed this morning. Uh, no, I'll keep close watch of the time. I am going to read much of the chapter this morning for our text. And then I'm going to make a broad observation, something that I see in Luke chapter number 4, that is good for us to be reminded of, and then some practical applications uh, to our life this morning that I think will be a help to us. Let's begin reading in verse number 1 of Luke chapter number 4. And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being forty days tempted of the devil. In those days he did eat nothing. And when they were ended, he afterward hungered. And the devil said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, command this stone that it be made bread. And Jesus answered him, saying, It is written, that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. And the devil, taking him up into a high mountain, showed unto him all the kingdom of the world in a moment of time. The devil said unto him, All this power will I give thee, and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me, and to whomsoever I will, I give it. If thou therefore wilt worship me, all shall be thine. Jesus answered and said unto him, Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. And he brought him to Jerusalem, and set him on a pinnacle of the temple, and said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down from hence. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. And Jesus answering said unto him, It is said, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And when the devil had ended all the temptation, he departed from him for a season. Skip down to verse number 16. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there were delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, and he gave it again to the minister and sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. Skip the verse number 30. But he, passing through the midst of them, went his way, and came down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and taught them on the Sabbath days. And they were astonished at his doctrine, for his word was with power. And in the synagogue there was a man which had a spirit of an unclean devil and cried out with a loud voice, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hold thy peace. And come out of him. And when the devil had thrown him in the midst, he came out of him and hurt him not. And they were all amazed and spake among themselves, saying, What a word is this? For with authority and power he commandeth the unclean spirits, 
and they come out. Let's look at verse number 40. And when the sun was setting, all they that had any sick with divers diseases brought them unto him, and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And the devils also came out of many, crying out and saying, Thou art Christ, the Son of God. And he, rebuking them, suffered them not to speak, for they knew that he was Christ. In chapter 4 of the book of Luke, we have read a progression in the life and ministry of our Savior, taking him from temptation by Satan to the temple where he taught, then to the deliverance of those possessed with devils and many things that we see. Each one of these that were mentioned this morning, there's a message or a series of messages that can be preached. But I want to look at this chapter as a whole in a little broader manner this morning. And I want to preach on the relationship between the living word and the written word. The relationship between the living word and the written word. Too many Christians are depending on that which God never intended for us to depend on for the answers to our life. We need to look at the living word and the written word. Father, I pray that uh, you take this message this morning. May uh, you use it to your honor and glory. May we be reminded of the treasure we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. May we be reminded of the treasure we have in the word of God. May we be grateful for them. May we uh, lean on them. And Father, I pray once again that there's someone unsaved. May they uh, call on the name of Jesus today, for it's in his name we pray. Amen. Far too many Christians look at the word of God uh, as an afterthought in their life. Far too many Christians uh, consider man's word to be above God's word. Far too many Christians uh, depend on their emotions and believe their emotions supersede God's commands. Far too many Christians think their opinion is more important than God's opinion. Far too many Christians do not realize, do not fail to understand that defeat will come as a result of a lack of consideration for God's Word. Friend, you and I need the Word of God. You and I must have the Word of God. Uh, A Facebook poll should not determine our theology. An opinion in an editorial column should not determine where we stand when it comes to the things of the Word of God. The main character of Luke chapter number 4 is Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, the main character of the Bible is the Lord Jesus Christ. The main character, as we see in this chapter, and there's much that could be said, and we do not have time to say it all this morning, is the Lord Jesus, the living Word. John chapter 1 and verse 14 reminds us that the Word was made flesh. Let us be thankful once again that the Lord Jesus Christ, God's Son, took upon Him flesh so that he might come to this world and pay the sin debt for all mankind. But he is the living word. But we find you cannot 
take away the relationship. You find the, it's the importance of the a relationship between the living word and the written word. You cannot put an emphasis on the Son of God and de-emphasize the Word of God. You cannot hold the Word of God in too high of esteem when it comes to the Son of God. There's a relationship between the two. That's why I am not interested, and I know this is a Sunday morning, but I think it's okay to say on a Sunday morning, I'm not interested in the latest Bible to come out. I'm not interested in a bunch of theologians saying, well, God really meant this, and, and what God was trying to say was this. No, my Bible says forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. You say, Pastor, why are you so dogmatic about uh, that? Because you cannot, take, you cannot remove the relationship between the living word and the written word. When you mess with the written word, you are actually trying to change the living word. The living word doesn't need help. The living word doesn't need to be changed and cannot be changed. He's, forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven, the written word. Jesus Christ the same, yesterday, today, and forever. There's a relationship between the two. Jesus Christ was and is and forevermore will be the Son of God, the only begotten Son of God, the perfect Son of God. He is the only one to whom we can have salvation. He is the only one to whom we can look to for our eternity. He is deity. He is God in the flesh. He is omniscient, all-knowing, all-powerful. He is the perfect Son of God. No doubt in our scripture we find miracles of the Son of God. Can you imagine as we read when they said they brought all those with those diverse diseases, meaning many diseases, and Jesus, the living word, healed them. Jesus, the living word, did that which nobody else could do. Jesus, the living word, which, which performed those miracles. You say, well, if only Jesus were here today, oh, it'd be an amazing thing if we had lived in this day. But friend, you cannot remove the relationship between the living word and the written word because the written word has done many miracles. And through the written word, many lives have been changed. And through the written word, many have depended on and trusted in what God would do in their life. Now I want to take this chapter as a whole. In the text that we look, I want to point out some facts, some observations concerning the relationship between the living word and the written word. Notice in the first part of the chapter, and Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, being 40 days tempted of the devil, and in those days he did eat nothing. When they were ended, he afterward hungered. And the devil said unto him, and friends, let me remind all of us, uh, just as there's a son of God, there is a real devil. The spiritual realm is very, very real. And it's not Harry Potter. Uh, it's not whatever else that you want to throw out there. The spiritual realm is a real thing. And the devil said unto him, verse 3, If thou be the son of God, command this stone that it be made bread. Now there's much I'd like to say about uh, the, the, the offer that Satan is making that I don't have time for this morning to stick with the, the message that I want to bring. 
Jesus didn't have to prove himself to anybody. Jesus didn't have to prove himself to Beelzebub, to the one cast from heaven. But he makes this pitch to the Son of God. If thou be the Son of God, command this stone that it be made bread. Now, if Jesus was man and not God, he would probably have reacted like most of us would have reacted. Emotionally. I'll show you how was Jesus capable of turning the stones into bread? Absolutely he was. But notice the response of the Son of God in verse 4. And Jesus answered him saying, It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. When Satan tempted, Jesus responded with Scripture. Satan Again, tempts the Lord Jesus, and in verse 8, And Jesus answered and said unto him, Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Satan then offers another temptation. Takes scripture out of context to do it. And by the way, he's still doing that today. And Jesus responds in verse number 12, and Jesus answered said to him, It is said, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God, quoting Deuteronomy 6.16. In all three temptations, Jesus, the Son of God, Jesus having power over the one tempting him, responded with the word of God. See, Pastor, what's the point that you're making? The point as we look at the relationship between the living word in the written word is, first of all, we see the power of the written word. Jesus used the scripture to resist Satan. Jesus used the scripture to answer Satan. And friend, Jesus has set the pattern for us in every area of our life. He is the one to whom we ascribe to be like. Now, we can never attain that in this flesh. We are limited by this flesh. We are limited by our sin nature. But he is the example. And he set an example for us of the power of the word of God. Friend, that's why you need to be in this book. That's why you need to memorize this book. That's why you need to keep the scripture handy. And when Satan offers a temptation, don't let your flesh decide what you're going to do. Don't let your emotions decide what you're going to do. Don't let the opinion of the day decide what you're going to do. Answer him with Scripture. It is written. My Bible tells me that he flees when he's resisted. How is he resisted? By the Word of God. See, Satan believes what many Christians do not believe, that this is an immovable book, that the laws of God are for all time. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. See, Satan knows without a fact that God sits on his throne. And with his decree and his word and his statutes and his commands, he knows them to be all-powerful. He knows them to be true. And so, therefore, he cannot withstand against the word of God. That's why you may hear your pastor say, have scriptural principles that you live by. They're to protect you. 
Even Jesus Christ used the written word of God. A Christian who doesn't know the Bible, it's only a matter of time before Satan offers a temptation and they respond to that temptation wrongly. They let their flesh decide. Friend, don't ever let your emotions decide. Don't let your flesh decide. Let the word of God decide. We see its power. Too many Christians say, I'll show the devil. The devil's going to come for you. Let him come. I'll show you. You're a fool. You're a fool. And I say that as lovingly as I can, but I want you to hear what I'm saying this morning. No man, no man in his limitation in his flesh can resist the evil one, can overcome the evil one. We overcome him ultimately with the blood of the lamb applied to our account. And we fight him and we resist him with the word of God. That's why you mark it down, you mark it down, you mark it down. You don't have to believe it, but let 10 years play out. Let the children who are reared under the teaching of the word of God, those children that right now are in Another, another room, and they were in Sunday school this morning, and they memorized their weekly verse, and they're, and they're taught what the Bible says, and, and they learn what the Word of God says, and, and they pick it up. They say, well, those kids don't understand. Oh, they get more than you think they get. And you let them hide God's Word in their heart that they, that they might not sin against Him. And you compare them to those who are taken out from under the teaching of the Word of God. There is a difference. Why? Is it because some are more privileged than others? Some have a pedigree others do not have? No, it's the Word of God. It's power. you got to guard your home with the Bible. Guard your marriage with the Bible. Everybody in this room is going to be, is, is a target of Satan. It's a target. You know Satan wasn't prowling around the bars last night seeking whom he may devour? Let me tell you where he is. He's prowling around here. So that doesn't make sense to me. It all makes perfect sense. He's got them. He wants our children. He wants, he wants our, our decency. He wants you to go back to what you were saved out of. How are you going to resist with the Bible? That's why he wants to distract the child of God any, any way he can from the Word of God. I said, number one, we see, we recognize its power, its power to resist temptation. You're not as good a Christian as you think you are. I'm not as good a Christian as I think I am. This Bible is more powerful than we realize it is. Number two, and I've got to hasten. We find in verse 16, and he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. This one verse kind of disputes this whole teaching of today that goes with the merging philosophy of, well, we don't like anything organized, and we're just, we're just following Christ. Well, if you're really following Christ, meaning we don't, we don't go to church and we don't do anything, if you're really following Christ, you would follow him to church as his custom was. He was not a first-time visitor in this text. 
he knew his way around. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. I hate to bring the Bible into theology, you know, in, in others' theology. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. Jesus comes to the synagogue. He gets the word of God. He begins to read from the book of Isaiah. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Can you imagine? I read this text. And my mind has a hard time comprehending what it would have been like. What it would have been like to hear the living word. Read the written word. And then sit down. And say, this prophecy is now fulfilled and you were a witness to it. Now, if you read, they didn't take too well to that. That's a whole other message. Because you imagine the living word, reading the written word, how powerful that must have been. And this is the second observation I make. We find its place in the temple. We find its place. We find it in the temple. And let me relate that to us today. That is the equivalent of the church house today. And if there's any place the word of God needs to be, it's in the house of God. And if there's any, any place that you need to be so that you can hear the word of God, it's in the house of God. No wonder we're so scripturally illiterate and ignorant in our society. We have preachers who don't know enough Bible except just to be dangerous with it. That They don't get in the word of God. They don't preach the word of God. And yet we have many who claim to be Christians who have no interest in the house of God, ignore the house of God, ignore when the word of God is preached, and let it go in one ear and out the other. The word of God is vital. The word of God is crucial. And it needs to be in this place, in the house of God. That's why you need to hear it in the house of God. Well, I, I am a firm believer. I've already alluded to it said it in this message. You need to get in the Bible. You need to read the Word of God. You don't need to let a day go by where you don't spend some time in this book. And you memorize it. And you meditate on it. And you muse on it. And and if there's something you won't help understanding, you ask the Holy Spirit of God, Lord, help me understand this. Help this become a part of my life. You make it a part of your life. Why? Because it's powerful. It will, it will, it will keep you from temptation. It will keep you uh, from, from making that mistake. But it's, it still needs to be preached and heard in the house of God. We find the relationship between the living word and the written word. We find the written word in the place where it should have been. And we find the living word in the house of God, reading the written word. Well, I think that's just what we ought to do. But what kind of programs do you have? Well, we've got a good preaching program. We've got a good Sunday school program. I mean, besides that, we do have other ministries. We do have other programs. Nothing wrong with them. But if you've got the Word of God, you know, you can live without all that other. 
I understand, I understand. But when are you having a fellowship? Oh, I'm for fellowships. We have a fellowship at 945 Sunday morning. What do y'all do? Teach the Bible. We'll have donuts and coffee and all that. We'll have another fellowship at 1045. Hey, we're having a fellowship tonight. If you didn't hear the announcement, at 6 o'clock, we're having a fellowship. We have a fellowship in the middle of the week. It's, it's got to be in its proper place. It's got to be where the people can hear it. We need it. Number three. We find in verse number 30 as he reveals the scripture that we're just looking at that this prophecy has been fulfilled. They don't take too kindly to that. He leaves there, find in verse number 30, but he, but he passing through the midst of them went his way and came down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and taught them on the Sabbath days. Notice verse 32, and they were astonished at his doctrine, for his word was with power. And in the synagogue there was a man which had a spirit of an unclean devil and cried out with a loud voice, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? You know, there, there, there are no atheists in hell. The devils know who he is. The devils recognize him. In the previous scripture, when he says this has now been, pre this is now he, this prophecy is now being fulfilled, the people said, start whispering, "How could that be? Isn't this Joseph's son? No, he wasn't Joseph's son. He was God's son. And this couldn't possibly." And they got angry. This could not be the son of God. Well, the devils knew it was him. What have are thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. Verse 35, And Jesus rebuked, rebuked him, saying, Hold thy peace, and come out of him. And when the devil had thrown him in the midst, he came out of him and hurt him not. They were all amazed and spake among themselves, saying, What a word is this? For with authority and power he commandeth the unclean spirits, and they come out. Let me get the third observation. We find its purpose is to change. You ever seen those ads? New Year's coming. We need to get healthy. Here's a before. Here's an after. My problem is my after always looks worse than the before. Well, here's a, there's no greater testimonial than that. What a before and after in this passage of Scripture. You find a man possessed of devils. And then when the living word speaks, the power in which the word speaks, they come out. What a before and after. The change is purpose. I want to remind you very simply this morning, the purpose of the word of God, yes, to honor God. Yes, it glorifies God, but it's to make a change. It's to make a change. This is why some say, I don't know. Why does pastor think he does? A pastor doesn't know anything. Your pastor doesn't know. He's as clueless as you think he is. There's one thing I do know. If you're in that book, it shows. If you're not in that book, it shows. 
Because this book will change a man. This book will change a marriage. This book will change a home. This book will change a life. This book will take a man from the gutter who is, who is bound by the afflictions of sin of this world and take him and change him to one, excuse me, sitting in their right mind in the house of God, clean them up, get them moving in the right direction, change their life, make them a new creature. You'll look at them and say, what in the world happened to them? How in the world did that ever happen? I'll tell you how it happened. It's the Word of God. It wasn't a social program. It wasn't 10 steps. It wasn't whatever society wants to throw at them. It was the Word of God. It was this powerful book that makes a change. Say, what do we need? We need more programs for our new Christians. Oh, no. Our Christians, new Christians, what's the best thing for them is to be in Sunday school. The best thing for them is to be in church. The best thing for them is to be in midweek Bible study. The best thing for them is to have the Word of God. And on their first day, their first day in their new life to read from John chapter number 1. Then they can realize and be reminded of who Jesus is. And on a daily basis... Read the Word of God because it is the Word of God. Its purpose is to change. I rebel, I rebel at this movement today, even in independent Baptist churches, of pastoring the church and preaching Sunday after Sunday just so you know how much Bible I know. I'm not bringing a message Say, well, you need to get all the flesh and get your pride out and just really get in the Word. Oh, no, no, you're guilty of, the, of what you're accusing others of. I, don't, I have no intention of standing up here so you know that I studied this week. No, I want to come up here with a Bible truth and say, hear what God has said. It will change your life. It will change your marriage. It will change your home. It will change your future. It will change the outcome that you're facing because it is the Word of God that has a power to change. Well, it's, that's why if you're not changing, you don't have no Bible. It's his power. It's his purpose is to change a life. So the longer you're in a Bible preaching church, the more you ought to change. More. And if you're going backwards, I can tell you what the problem is. If you ever, don't raise your hand. Anybody might have been to the doctor lately? You don't have to raise your hand. Anybody been nagged by your wife to go to the doctor lately? You don't have to raise your hand, but I'll raise mine. Have you ever been to a doctor's office and you're not feeling good or you got this going? And as soon as you walk in and sit down, he looks at you and says, this is what's going on. This is. Or they ask just a few questions. And then they can diagnose. There's always things they check first. You know, again, there's a lot I don't know. But I do know that book pretty well. I do know the power of that book. I do know the purpose of that book. And when you start, when you see somebody changing their life, growing as a Christian, that's why this pastor is never going to take credit for that. It's the Word of God. This church can't take credit for that. It's the Word of God. 
If your children turn out right for God, you have a part in that, certainly, but it's the Word of God. I'm wise enough to know that it's not my intellect, it's not my chicken scratch in the margin of my Bible that does it. It's the power of the Word of God. But I'm also smart enough to know if you see a Christian move in the other direction, they're ignoring that book in their life. Because its purpose is to change. Anybody ever, let me, let me get through the entire question before you respond. Anybody ever taken a bath and used soap and got dirtier? Nobody? Because its nature is to clean? Same thing with the Word of God. This book will purify us. This book will clean us. Pastor, Pastor, just don't believe me. I, I told him I'm in the Word of God, I'm doing all this, and he just shook his head and said, no. Why? Because I've never used soap and got dirtier. I've never lived in this book and got dirtier. Only cleaner. I'll move on, number four. Talking about the relationship of the living word and the word of God and, and the written word. We get to verse number 40. And when the sun was setting, all they that had any sick with divers diseases brought them unto him. And he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And devils also came out of many, crying out and saying, Thou art Christ, the Son of God. And he rebuking them, suffered them not to speak, for they knew that he was Christ. We find, fourthly, we find the person. The person being the Lord Jesus Christ. The main character of the Word of God is the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Word of God puts the focus on God. Friend, it's not about you. It's not about me. It's all about Him. It's all about what He's done for us. It's all about the fact that God came and visited man. It's all about the fact that a man's own sins he could never save himself. We have a God who loved us enough to send his son to pay that sin debt. And just as a side note, what a shame it is for the devils to testify that thou art Christ, the Son of God. And Christians don't make the same declaration. Supposed Bible theologians want to cast doubt on that. Even the devils know that he was the Christ. Friend, this morning, I know because my Bible tells me so. I know because I spent time in that book. I can testify this morning that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I can testify this morning that Jesus Christ is the Savior of all men. I can testify this morning that he is the way, the truth, and the life. I can testify that no man cometh unto the Father but by him. Say, Pastor, why can you say that? Well, because I've experienced salvation. I know what it's like to, to, to realize that I'm a sinner. I know what it's like to realize that because of my sins, I was on my way to hell. I know what it's like to fall under that conviction of the Holy Spirit of God and realize that I can never save myself. Oh, but then I was not left without hope. I was not left without a future. I, I was left with the fact that Jesus came to this world, and he was God's son. And he put on flesh, and he lived a perfect, 
sinless life. And he came, and while he was here, he did many wonderful things. And he healed so many of their sicknesses and so many of their diseases. And he was even concerned that people were hungry because they had left all just to hear him preach and teach him. He didn't want to go home with an empty belly. He was even concerned about that. But that's not why he came to feed the 5,000, although he fed the 5,000. That's not why he came just to walk on the water, although he walked on the water. That's not why he came to heal the sick, although he healed the sick. He came to pay for the sins of mankind. I know he did that because I've experienced salvation. Friend, let me tell you what I hold to. Let me tell you how I first heard that I was a sinner. I heard it in the written word of God. Let me tell you how I first heard that I had no hope and I could not save myself. I heard it in the written word of God. Let me tell you how I know that Jesus is the Son of God because this book that I preached from this morning has declared it to be so, and it is so. Let me tell you how I know that I'm saved when the devil sits on my shoulder as he does every child of God at some point in their life and say, are you sure you're saved? Have you been reminded of all those sins? Let me tell you why I don't doubt my salvation this morning. It's not because I always feel saved. Let me tell you, I know as I stand and I preach this book this morning, I preach it with confidence of knowing that if any man come to the Son of God, he'll not be turned away. I preach this morning with great confidence that if you'll just give your life to him and you quit trying to figure it out on your own and you say, God, whatever you have me to do, I'll follow the word of God. I'll depend on the word of God. Let me tell you why I preach with such confidence because I believe the word of God to be true. It is about the living word, but I get my confidence in the written word. His person. They knew he was the Christ. This morning, I preach of a risen Savior who is the Christ. How do you know? Because my Bible tells me so. Pastor, are you one of those who just believes it because the Bible says it? Yep. You're one of those uneducated, independent Baptist, old-time, old-fashioned preachers that still believes the King James Bible is the Word of God. By uneducated, do you mean unlearned and ignorant as Peter and Paul were perceived to be by the educators? Because if that's what you mean, I gladly plead guilty. I'm just dumb enough to believe that God is capable of preserving His Word. But I'm smart enough to believe that God is capable of preserving His Word. This morning, if you have the need of salvation, you don't need a denomination, you don't need a religion, you don't need to turn over a new leaf, you're incapable of turning over a new leaf. You need to be changed from the inside. You need the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, pastor, how can I know that I'm saved? Because the written word isn't going to lie to me about the living word. The written word declares that there's one way of salvation. And by the way, the written word declares 
that the living word came and died for all men and any who would turn to Christ will be saved no matter who they are, no matter where they come from. Salvation is a free gift for all men. And this morning, if you have some difficulty in your life, you can't get victory over certain areas of your life, let me point you to the written word. This flesh can do nothing for you but point to the book that can do everything for you. In this morning, oh, I want our eyes to be on the Lord Jesus Christ. I want us to be anticipating his coming. But how do we keep our eyes on Jesus? He's not going to appear in the midst with us. Scripture tells us that the next time, the, the time we see him, he'll call us home from the clouds, from the heavens. That's when we're going to see him. He's not going to appear among us. But how do we look to him this morning? We open the written word of God and we read of our Savior. We read of what he's done in our life. We read of the victory that we can have. Because of the Lord Jesus Christ. This morning, on this last Sunday morning of 2019, let's re emphasize the relationship that we should have with the Word of God. The devil's going to tempt us. How do we resist it? The Word of God. Do you ever feel spiritually strong? There are days I feel spiritually strong. I don't worry about those days as much as I do the days I'm spiritually weak. You ever feel spiritually weak? Oh, no, not me, Pastor, not me, Pastor. Well, you've got a lying problem, too. That's why we've got to depend on this book, not how we feel. There's some days, I'll be honest with you, I walk to this pulpit and I feel lousy. My flesh fails me. I walk to this pulpit sometimes and my mind is clouded. I look and I'm like, God, this is all you gave me this morning. My outline is not alliterated. It doesn't even make sense to me. But can I tell you something? I've never stepped to this pulpit and declared the word of God when the word of God has not done what only the word of God can do. And parent, dad, mom, you may not think you have what it takes to rear that child. Let me help you. You don't. You don't. Oh, and mama, quit being insulted by that. You know, you're not super mom. But let me tell you what will help you. This book right here. Because when you don't have the answer, let me tell you what God's already done. He's already put it in there. You just got to be in there looking for it. Oh, and uh, in, in your marriage, you're going to think, well, there's, there's going to be some difficulties. There's going to be some struggles. That's why from day one, you better be preparing. You better be preparing because it is the written word that's going to sustain us. It's the written word that our changes. While I've just... Throwing everything out there today, let me throw this out there too. Parents, when your kids get to be teenagers, they begin pushing back a little bit. The seeds of rebellion begin to grow in their heart. Don't give in. Well, if I, if I change, it's going to push them away. What's going to change? You being their buddy isn't going to change them. 
You giving them what they want isn't going to change them. Let me tell you what they need. They need the written word. They need to sit. Well, they, they refuse to come on Sunday morning. See me after church, and I'll, I'll tell you how to, I'll, I'll help you with that. But you get them here and let them hear the preaching of the word of God. You sit them down and you read to them the written word. You make them get up in the morning and read the written word. Because, friend, that's what will change a life. That's what will change a heart. And let me just, since I am, am putting it all out there this morning, let me just make this covenant to you once again. All of us, all of us have friend and family who want to be in this building this morning. And they're not. But let me just make a promise to you once again. The time ever comes when they walk in those doors and they sit on the, and sit on the, and sit on the church pew, whether it be on a Christmas service or any other service of the week, I promise you this preacher is going to get up and he's going to preach the word of God because that's what they need. That's what the heart needs. And friend, let me tell you, you may be on the clouds this morning, but there's going to come a Sunday in 2020 when you're discouraged and life is beating you up. Let me tell you what you're going to get on Sunday morning. You're going to get the written word of God because it will sustain you. It will encourage you. It will pick you up. It will give you something you can hold on to. We need to praise God for the living word. Praise God for the, for the Son of God. Praise God for Jesus Christ. Praise God for a Savior that saves all men, a Savior that is that has never changed. Praise God for Jesus who one day is going to call us all home and one day is going to take his rightful place in this earth. But can I this morning also praise God for his word? Praise God for the written word of God that we can turn to and we can depend on. And when I'm not feeling quite as saved at, at sometimes as other times, I can go and be reminded nothing can pluck me out of the hand of God. I have been consecrated until the day when I am in, in heaven. As far as God is concerned, I'm already there with him. Let's be encouraged by the word of God. This morning, are you spending enough time in your Bible as you should be? New Year's coming. New opportunity to start the year off right. Father, I pray that you'll take...